up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And today, I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Hello, Scott. So we're not doing the uh, literary yeah, corner today. Yeah, we're not doing. Why is that? Why is that? We're not doing it because um, I didn't have a particular book I wanted. to You talk weren't prepared. About. Well, no, not really. But I didn't have a particular book that I didn't uh, that I wanted to talk about. And uh, I am working on some things. I'm working on another review that has to do uh, with the economy. So I'm working on that now. So we'll talk about that at a later date. And but what if listen- a listeners did write in and say he wanted to hear about Ralph Waldo Emerson? So I do promise that listener that we will do Ralph Waldo Emerson sometime in the near future. What was? Do you know anything about Ralph Waldo Emerson? I I read yeah I read him in college. Uh, you read to the audience. Uh, you read about thirty to forty books a year. Yeah, probably yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and I read, um, but but at any event. Um, but what's he about? What's Ralph Waldo? He wrote, he wrote a lot of essays, and one quote that, and hopefully I'm not going to bastardize it, uh, is a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds, is, hmm. is a famous Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson quote. So, wh- and I, since we're not doing Literary Corner, one of my favorite poems is this poem um, that I, I, I was going to, New York, uh, going to work on a subway train, in New York, and they used to have this thing called Poetry in Motion. Right. And I read this riddle poem by A.R. Ammons from Cornell, this yeah. Cornell professor. And I couldn't get over it. It was like I read it, and then I just walked off the train like a zombie on my stop. And I was like, man, that just blew my head away. And so it went like this. It was called Reflective, and it says, I saw a weed that had a mirror in it. And that mirror looked in at a mirror in me and saw a weed in it. And I was like, what did I just read? <laughs> so you're the weed. I mean, that's what well, you take no, away. <laughs> no, 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 no. It could, be, it could be interpreted so many ways. Uh, of course it could be. So one of the ways is that, for example, um, 
if you have negative energy inside your heart and uh-huh. soul, like there are some evil people in this world. Yes. And what they do, and you know, liberals, I think liberals see the world this way in a lot of ways. They try mm-hmm. to say that they're utopia or like, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of these disgruntled, these evil people that are tearing up the stores um, and crying that they're a victim, they and they see you as the oppressor, their whole world is, is how they see it, their whole mindset. So like reflect, it's called reflective. And it goes like this. I'll say it one more time. I saw a weed that had a mirror in it. And that mirror looked in at a mirror in me and saw a weed in it. And so basically, if I'm seeing the world in a negative light, I'm seeing negativity. I'm seeing your negativity, not your positive aura. Exactly. And you ever go to like an art show or something and you see this this artist that's doing something that they love. They're barely making financial bread, but they're doing all right. But they're just basically loving their work. If you if you love what you do, then you're never really working, right? I think that's so very true. You really got to find some harmony in this world, especially the world we're living in, uh, where there's so many uh, things that are un. Uh, we're going into uncharted waters. We're already there. Um, we have we've never seen such uh, governmental corruption. Um, we have never uh, had. Uh, we've never been um, surpassed by technology. I said in a tweet, I said the the, uh, evolution of, um, I said we crossed the Rubicon when the evolution of technology surpasses the evolution of man without a plan on what to do next. Yeah. Everything is at stake. And we're going to cover AI today. And um, I think that's a really important thing that we realize that technology is moving faster than we can evolve. Already we've seen it with cell phones where um, we thought that this, this, this would uh, make our lives better. We could, we could get work done while we're driving down the road or, or while sitting at home or, or whatever it is. But it turns out that uh, there's no off button anymore. And you know, like corporations, they had to set rules and regulations just because we can text you and send you an email and give you a phone call uh, while you're at home doesn't mean we should do it. Ex- and doesn't mean, you know, so um, we have a uh, sound clip where these students are basically saying, you know, chat GBT, they can use that in the classroom. They could use it for research. They could, a mechanical engineer can learn how to um, do a math equation from ChatGPT because it could show it to you and it can do it for you. But in the end of the day, um, the uh, professors are going to have regulatory um, uh, action to that and their response is going to be, well, you're still going to have to come into the classroom, put your phones in your your book bag and, and basically get out a, pe- a pencil and a piece of paper and do it the old-fashioned way, which actually kind of makes me think, huh, why don't we do elections that way? Get rid of the computers and the machines and the algorithms 
<laughs> and just do a paper ballot. Well, just do give every, me a pencil. Do everything the old-fashioned way. So and I think, again, when you talk about the whole use of chat GBT, I think back to the idea of when we st- first started having these automated things that help us, like spell check or um, Grammarly or some of these other things that help us when we're doing our work. Well, it's well, a calculator well, uh, or a calculator. You yeah, need, do when you, that came uh, out. Now, you remember? Do you remember when people were allowed to bring the calculator and use it for certain things, but not for other things when taking tests? I remember my brother came back from college, and this was before calculators. Yeah, that's how old I am. And he comes back from college, and he's got this slide ruler, right. and he's showing me how the slide ruler works. And I was like, holy cow, that's crazy. I, I still don't really know how that one works. I, but I don't he know showed it, it to me, either. and he knew how it worked. He was really smart. And so, um, still is. But the, uh, the thing is, is about a year later, it was about that, about that same time, the old, good old-fashioned Texas instrument with the red LED. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it was a big bulky thing that was yeah. a calculator. It had yeah. these little snappy buttons. And um, th- there was this big debate as to whether or not you're allowed to bring this into math class and help, it, help, help you with your math problems, right? And here we are with ChatGBT. Yeah. Writing poetry. Well, and again, you know, the, 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 the big question here is there is a fine line between using something for instructional purposes and to learn versus completely suppressing all originality. And I believe that the, the professors are going to know. Because yeah. they're going to play around with it, and they're going to see if they, they see ver- versions of the same thing over and ag- over again, they're going to know that people are using ChatGPT. And to that point, and the reason why I brought it up is because the professors are going to have to install regulatory, you know, regulations as to when you can and when you can't use it, and you know what's cheating and what's not cheating, exactly. and stuff like that. We have to create you, a whole new you, set of rules. You brought up a really good point too. I think uh, we were talking about this off air, and I think you mentioned something to the point about plagiarism, and we were talking about that. Yeah. Plagiarism, um, because it's going to be original. <laughs> the chat GBT is going to come up with an original piece. It's going to be an original piece. But and he- you can even instruct it and say, uh, scour the Internet and make sure this is original, not copied from Wikipedia so, or Google. So in other words, what students used to get in trouble for and still get in trouble for, or people or writers get in trouble all the time for this, for plagiarism, you know, deliberate or um, accidental. Because, you know, so that's a major issue. But with this, you, you're you not going to get flagged for plagiarism. But what's going to happen is you're going to get these uh, automated answers that are going to not really have any originality. And, uh, of course, maybe they'll figure out a way to program a different spice or a different format uh, or, or level of focus into it. But it's starting to strip away at our ability to be original. And we got to just use a tool like this with a grain of salt. We have to take it sparingly or else we all just become, if we all look the same, what's the point in life? You know, there's an old Twilight Zone episode where one woman becomes, uh, is pretty and the other woman isn't as pretty and the society wants everybody to be pretty. So they make the other girl look just like the really pretty one. 
And she's like, I look just like you now. Well, we don't want a world where everybody looks exactly the same, just as we don't want a world where everybody says exactly the same thing. We want to be different. We want different voices, different tones, different choice of language. That's what creates greatness, not all sounding the same. (laughs) That gets into a really heavy subject of communism, common core. Exactly. Common core. It, it, it basically, if you have 10 students, Common Core, remember Common Core in, 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 in uh, education? Yeah, I remember because I was working in education yeah, well that, when it first came that's about. That's pretty much been defeated, but that's what equity is all about. That's the difference between equity and equality. Equity wants everybody to be the same, and equality is all about competition. You know, equality is level, the playing field is the same. And then the best performer yes. um, wins, right? But with equity, there are no winners and losers. So when we look back 10 years ago, there was everybody gets a trophy. Remember that yeah. campaign? Yeah. And then remember 10 years ago about the Common Core, right? right. Was, was getting to be like this thing. And again, it's always these liberals that are pushing this agenda of like Common Core or everybody gets a trophy. Um, it's hurtful if you lose, whatever. You, hey, folks, you need to learn how to lose yeah. as much as you need to learn how to win. And and the thing is with Common Core, for, for those of you that don't know what Common Core is, and I frankly am not an expert on the subject either, so I'm not claiming that. But what, what I would say is to, to just crystallize it in a real basic sense. Common Core is where you, if you have 10 students – the course curriculum moves at the pace of the slowest student. That means if you have three students that are at the top of the class and three in the middle and three at the bottom, you're going to move at the pace of the three at the bottom so everybody actually gets a trophy at the end. And that's not a, uh, that's not a way to achieve excellence. Well, that that's act- a way to achieve communism or what China did. And we all know that China... Um, practice those types of things and the net result was that they had to basically do intellectual property theft of the west from the west by penetrating our universities and by having spies uh capture our data and and buy up companies and buy up land and all that uh intrusion into our country so that they could actually siphon off all of our intellectual property and bring it back to Mother China. Okay, I just want to make a point of clarification for our listeners. The objective of Common Core was not to move to, to the slowest pace of the slowest learner. The objective was for people to have a common core of education and a common core of experience of exposure but the indoctrination no no let me finish (laughs) you may call it indoctrination but the unfortunately the implementation of the common curriculum had the end result that people were playing to the pace of the slowest learner and it was dragging the fast learners behind but the the unintended that was the unintended consequences but the thing is what happens is sometimes you have a great idea if it's implemented poorly it has unintended negative consequences and we see this every day so our big stories today are going to be artificial intelligence yes. but our biggest story today is going to be the whistleblower, whistleblower story and we have a lot of audio on that that we're going to go to in in a moment you know later in the show um we always sort of start off though with um 
a round robin of things. Um, one of the things is I said to the audience yesterday that I was going to find out who the Liz Cheney publisher is. And I'm sad to tell you, it's a publisher that it would be very difficult to boycott because they have penetrated the education market like there's no tomorrow. You, you've all heard of Little Brown and Company, right? Yes. It's pretty hard to boycott Little Brown and Company. It They're was founded the in 1837, Scott. <laughs> the chances of boycotting it are not great. No, they, 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 <laughs> no, but they own a lot of property. They own a lot of property, and, um, and, and they own different imprints. So yeah, I mean, but. Uh, so boycott if you can. <laughs> you know, uh, don't read. <laughs> that would Prob- be the, that would be almost the uh, solution. The problem, you know, the problem. You and I had this conversation the other day when we were talking about sneakers. Okay, you, you you know, you get to a certain point where you can't boycott certain things because the, all the companies are interconnected. So the boycotting only goes so far. You don't know. You oh, you may not know who the party is at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so Little Brown and Company to publish Oath and Honor, a memoir and a warning by Liz and Liz Cheney, who's such a, oh, the words I want to use to fill in that blank are, you know, not allowed on in any decent conversation. Uh, but she, I'm not a fan of, I, I cannot stand this woman, Liz Cheney. I know. Nobody but likes she, a rhino. She would like to disrupt uh, the uh, 2024 election in the name of patriotism because she thinks Trump's the worst thing that ever happened to America because he basically um, got in the way of all the palm greasing and black market deals that she was involved with and the Cheneys themselves, you know, the Enron Kings and the people that exploited uh, every opportunity for get, making millions. Uh, it's terrible. Using, using the power uh, and backing of the U.S. government. We've all talked about this in the past, you know, like how the government can't sanction certain things that go against treaties or other governments. Uh, so they do it in the black market, and the politicians like Liz Cheney are the benefactors of these black market deals that uh, they feel altruistic about, mm-hmm. that they feel good about, that they yeah. feel patriotic about. And they look at someone like Trump as basically saying, you just don't get it. It's like, no, Trump gets it. Trump says you're either going to do it with the sanction of the government or you're not going to do it at all. We are not these slimy creatures like lizards and snakes swirling down or you know in the deep crevices of the subway station. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean we're not going to do that. We're going to be stand-up people and we're going to say what we mean, mean what we say and we're going to do it in public. We're going to be transparent because that's what we owe the public that voted us into mm-hmm. office. That's that's the way the founding fathers saw it. Full transparency, and you know, like we talked about, um, uh, it seems like it's it's flipped upside down and in, in reverse. That the public sector, which is supposed to be a hundred percent transparent, is zero transparency, and the private sector, which is supposed to have complete privacy, mm-hmm. the right to privacy, yeah, and a right against searches and seizures, which is the Fourth Amendment, and a right to speech and a right to um, defend ourselves with a, with a gun if need be. Um, all of these things are being um, thrown out by one party and one party alone, and that's the Democrat Party. 
So shame on my Democrat friends for voting for this nonsense. Um, just heard, heard that on Tuesday, Biden is going to announce that he's running for re-election. Yeah, they've right? been wondering when he's going to actually come out and If there ever was election. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I posted this thing about Jorge Masvidal. I can't play the clip because he does use the F word in one se- se- sentence. But um, uh, he basically called out Trump last, you know, about 10 days ago. Uh, called out Trump as the greatest president. Called out DeSantis as the greatest governor in the country. And then basically led the chant that says, let's go, Brandon. Yeah. So I posted it up on Facebook. You know, I know it's all older, but posted it up and I said, um, search as I must, search as I will, mm-hmm. but I will never, ever be able to find a audio clip like or a video clip like that yeah. where Biden is being chanted as the greatest president, right? Never will you ever be able to go find a chant in a crowd uh, chanting for Biden or someone saying Biden is the greatest. No one's ever said that. In a major sporting event, nobody is ever saying that, right? Yeah. This is a guy that was uh, announcing his retirement. He had a lot more things on his mind. He just lost a fight. Mm-hmm. And he has the the um, um, heart and soul yeah. to say that nice gesture about Donald Trump who was sitting in the audience and led the chant and everybody in, in harmony basically said, let's go, Brandon, which is F, go, uh, F Joe Biden, right? So so all I'm saying is, so it got to be this discussion on Facebook and I was basically uh, trying to say, I can't find anything that reflects that yeah. in a pro-Biden setting. Right. So how in the world did a guy like that then get 81 million votes, the most votes in hi- human history? How in the world did that happen? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> that's just it. I mean, that's just it. So uh, we, had, we just mentioned uh, Liz Cheney. We're going to go through a couple of other news stories before we get into the meat of our show. Uh, we're just getting started, and you, it's you already... Got, you got a lot of appetizers, Scott. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm already full, and I yeah, my entree's coming. Right? <laughs> hey, well, you got to save room for dinner. Yeah. So, so BuzzFeed News is being shut down. Oh, oh that's so bad. too bad. <laughs> for all uh, the schadenfreude, let's not forget that it was thanks to BuzzFeed that those of us with a functioning brain knew on January 10th, 2017, that the Steele dossier was a bunch of obvious fabrications. And, of course, the Steele dossier was... Um, perpetrated in large part by the State Department, we now know, and uh, and the Hillary Clinton campaign, of course. And Hillary and the State Department were copacetic. Uh, the State Department, bunch of libtards over there, um, but uh, and in our CIA, by the way, and in USAID, which are all part of the same scheme. USAID pays presidents... Uh, uh, Pays to overthrow countries, pays for coups, pays for this, pays for that. USAID is paying for a whole bunch of crap all around the world with your money. The CIA, so they're doing the money part, USAID. The CIA is doing the enforcement part, killing people and locking people up and and staging coups and using mercenary groups on the black market. Um that's another thing that the CIA, and then they're locked at the hip with the State Department that organizes all this crap, 
and uh, sets up bio labs in Ukraine when they shouldn't be, trying to upset Russia and thinking that Russia is not going to do anything. And now Russia and China get together and form BRICS and uh, uh, start to perpetuate the uh, yuan as the, the currency standard. Uh, which is going to turn America into a Venezuela mm-hmm. because they know that Biden is one of the dumbest human beings on the planet and they're just going to play him like a fiddle. So, you know, Xi and Putin look at the opportunity they have before them. And this is what happens when you have a rigged election because you have these social, liberal, progressive, woke Democrats rigging the system. And getting themselves reelected. There's no reason why people keep on voting for Adam Schiff. There's no reason even why Biden would ever get elected. But nevertheless, they're in power and they're abusing their power with two standards of justice, which is at the heart of the whistleblower story, and 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 all the other things that we're dealing with. You know, the uh, corporate cronyism. You know, the open borders and climate change are all about uh, aiding and abetting uh, the wishes of the multinational corporations because they want access to cheap labor so that they could profit and exploit peasants, if you will, in China and the ones coming through our southern border. And they'll further exploit those people by getting them registered to vote, then Ballot harvesters will pick up their ballots once they mass mail them out. We got to get rid of the mass mailing of ballots in an election. That's got to be banned. That's got to be taken up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court needs to weigh in on this, and we need to put a stop to it. And I think that's where Maricopa, and that's where um, Kerry Lake mm-hmm. um, is doing great work, is basically. Um, uh, taking it to court, taking it to a higher court, um, appealing it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, I think, wants a case brought to them that they could weigh in on. But they're not allowed to legislate from the bench. So therefore, they can't just create out of thin air yeah. a case. Just because they see an injustice doesn't mean that they can hear the case. The case has to be legitimately brought to the Supreme Court in order for that to happen. And that has to happen sooner than later. And we're hoping and praying that that happens this year or by, tw- by the first of next year, um, which you very well could. That would pull the rug right out from underneath. If, yeah. they, if they can't mass mail, um, man, game over for them, uh, for the left, if they can't mass mail, because that's how they're winning these elections. They're ballot harvesting. They're collecting ballots from, from people that don't even know they're registered. People that never have any intention of voting, can't even speak English, don't even know where the precincts are. They're just working in a sweatshop somewhere, um, being exploited by the Demo- uh, the uni party, because it's not just Democrats. They're selling out America for corporate cronyism, and they're getting paid handsomely to do it. That's where the coercion is. The corporations donate to these politicians, and if they politicians don't give the corporations what they want, the corporations stop donating to them and donate to their competitor and throw them out of office. And the same thing is true with the, with the media narrative. The media carries the water for Pfizer and for BlackRock and for all these corporations because they know that that's where they get their bread and butter. That's where they get their ad dollars, right? So they're going to carry that 
wagon. And if that means that trans gets to be um, rewarded and uh, Christian white males get to be railroaded, so be it. But that's a George Soros sick mentality. That's a Klaus Schwab sick mentality. They want to attack the fabric of society. They want to attack Christianity because people that have faith in God uh, understand that God comes before government. And these government monsters, these globalists, are at the forefront of the problem because they don't want you to be independent. They want you to be dependent. Yeah. And that's that's the case. All right. So, like, for there's no wonder that BuzzFeed went out of business. They wrote articles like this. 37 things white people need to stop ruining in 2018. <laughs> 20, uh, this is, these are headlines, by the way, from BuzzFeed. And they wonder why they went out of business. 20 reasons why white people can't be trusted. Besides, you know, thousands of years of human history as evidence. <laughs> um. How privileged are you? Checklist your privilege. Check your privilege. All right. And then they wrote another article. White people read this before you text your black friends. (laughs) Oh, my God. They suck. (laughs) That's just all there is. Yeah, learn to code. (laughs) But they're not going to have to learn to code because they got AI and chat Mm -hmm. GBT now. Mm -hmm. All right. Go ahead. You're going to talk about Alec Baldwin next, right? Yep, that's the thing. That and I have. My all right, when you were after that, I have two things to add. I'll to let that. you do it. You do that story. Uh, Let's uh, see how you carry that story. Off. Okay. Well, basically, the manslaughter charge has been dropped against Alec Baldwin. Although the woman who is the armorer, the one uh, she uh, she still uh, is. You know, facing uh, some type of uh, lawsuit, but I do want to interject. We don't want to spend that much. Time no, let on me it. let me just finish. Uh, okay. uh, Al- Alec Baldwin's legal woes are not over. He is still being sued by the family for uh, of Elena Hutchins for uh, accusing the um, the set of having negligence and intentional infliction of emotional distress. On top of that. There are several crew members that were standing by when the actual blast occurred who are now claiming that they suffered blast injuries when the gun was discharged and they are requesting compensatory and punitive damages. So no manslaughter, but still some legal woes. Okay. And a caveat to that, you probably didn't know about this. And what's the caveat I didn't know about? Without prejudice. Yes. So they dismissed the case without, without prejudice. prejudice. Well, that's the good thing. That's his good piece of news, and he has some no, minor pieces. No, that's not good news. Why is for that? Him. Why? What does that mean? What do you mean it's not good news? Well, it, with prejudice would mean that case closed. Without prejudice means that they're still doing an investigation with the other girl, and when they do that investigation, uh, it's likely that they're going to find more evidence that's going to implicate him Mm. because there's just no way that they can get around the fact that a person was holding a gun and a person fell dead to the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So they said without prejudice. So that means they dismissed the the involuntary manslaughter case without prejudice, Yeah, which means that when they do the investigation with the other woman, right, uh, there's going to be a little bit more going on there than meets the eye. And so... Uh, it's very possible that they could reopen 
the charges against Alec Baldwin. He's not out of the woods yet. Okay, I just looked up the definition. So you are correct. Despite the way the term sounds, without prejudice means they can still go after you. With prejudice means they can't. <laughs> yeah, well, prejudice is sort of like bias. Right? I know, but it's, it, but it's interesting because it's counterintuitive. But yeah. you are correct, Scott Adams. Yes, and yeah. uh, and, and the, I, I, I was on a treadmill yesterday, and I was watching Fox and Friends, and they were covering this segment. And that that's what they told me. All right. Okay. But, you know, we just spent, what, five minutes on Alec Bowman? And he's not even the best Trump impersonator. Now SNL's got a new... Then, uh, what is that guy's name? James Austin? Uh, uh, something like that. Something he's like really, really good. In any case, no, I just... I was going to say this. This is how I was going to cover that story. So you covered it that way. Well, then, then why are you wasting more time? I did it. I was going to because I want to <laughs> because I want to read this meme. Uh. It's a meme, and it says breaking charges against Alec Baldwin dropped in fatal shooting death of Helena Hutchins. When you're a Democrat, they let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kicker. That's the that's the uh, that's the whiskey shot right there. Is that um, the Democrat? It, you know, Democrats get away with murder. Yeah, literally. They're getting away with murder. I think that's, you know, could you imagine if that was uh, uh, some right winger? I, I don't think they would get the same treatment. No, I don't think so at all. And by the way, the name of the guy who's now playing Donald Trump on SNL is James Austin Johnson. He does a great job with uh, with Donald Trump. He's I not don't, that good with others. I don't think his Biden is as good. And I'll tell no. you why quickly. It's because Biden isn't that interesting, and the imitations of Biden are not that good. Trump is a good showman, so his turn of phrase and the way he enunciates words are funnier. So that yeah. I think that helps him in his Trump impersonation. All right, so Charlie Kirk writes this. He says, breaking, Louisville bank shooter Connor Sturgeon wrote a 13-page manifesto outlining his three motives for the attack. Again, this story never got hardly any traction. It seems like every one of these mass murders is either some sort of like mentally ill tranny or, you know, something else. It, it's so They're weird. usually mentally ill. That's the, that, that is one uh, yeah. unique, uh, consistent but lately, universal been characteristic. Like trannies and stuff, you know, like oh. freak shows, <laughs> you know, freakazoids. Um, but here, um, so he, he wrote this manifesto and here's what he had to say. He's a, he's a, Sturgeon was a homicidal left-wing gun activist. And here's what his manifesto said. To prove how easy it was to buy a gun, to highlight America's mental health crisis, and to kill himself. That was the guy behind the Louisville bank shooting. Yeah. Um, which I don't, I barely even know anything about that story. But in any case, uh, here's another meme I wanted to uh, write. There's a meme of a, a grown, like a New York Yankees baseball player yeah but he's not even a yankee really he's just basically a grown man and it says it says man identifying as a six-year-old crushes game-winning homer in t-ball championship you know that's pretty much what's going on in women's sports today with a lot of these like powerlifting you yeah know, the yeah guy, the dude Want to uh, set the record and broke the power lift, and the record he broke was from some other trainer right. dude uh, that broke the record, and it's just destroyed women's weightlifting. Yeah, I just I'm so sad for women, right? That these uh, tranny men dressed up in blackface 
are just getting away with this, and the Democrats are applauding it. And then it's what's even worse is to see these trans strippers that are holding children's hands on stage and getting children to put money into their g-string that's disgusting you've seen it right no i've seen it it's 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 almost like unbelievable that these people aren't getting arrested yeah what world are we living in where this is happening so john d writes the whole time they were trying to impeach donald trump over a phone call the fbi was holding on to images of child pornography belonging to joe biden's son and then Eighty John D. writes, 82 days ago, James O'Keefe broke the biggest pharmaceutical story, scandal, news story in human history, and nothing happened. No Pfizer subpoenas, no Pfizer hearings, no Pfizer investigations, no Pfizer criminal referrals, nothing. But you know what did happen? He got James fired. James O'Keefe got fired. Yeah, because somebody paid uh, Project Veritas off to fire him. Because that's how they did it. I'm sure. I'm, I, I can only imagine that's the way it was went down. Remember when Joe Biden bragged about withholding $1 billion in foreign aid to get a Ukrainian prosecutor fired? Uh, who was investigating his son and nobody did anything about it? Remember that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, wh- why are, why is, what are the Republicans in Congress doing? Why wouldn't they take that tape and say, we're going to investigate this? Why wouldn't they take... You know, um, all of the crap that's going on and just say, you know, we have enough evidence to open up an investigation, a hearing. We're going to ask some people. We're going to subpoena some people to speak under oath. Um, so, you know, you got this Hunter Biden story. And basically, this whistleblower story is pretty big. And here, um, ABC says that it's akin uh, to committing a crime, that the IRS is committing a crime. But you know you're in trouble when you got CBS actually breaking the story. You remember they were two years late with the Hunter yeah, Bat laptop. Yeah. And G, G, uh, Woodruff, uh, who works over there, is still trying to figure out. I think it was Woodruff over there. But they're still trying to figure out like uh, whether or not that was real or not. Of yeah. course it was. But here's their take. Um, we're going to start playing some sound bites. Um, and here's CBS. You know you're in trouble if you're a Biden if CBS is covering this story like this. My client wants to come forward to Congress. He's ready to be questioned. Okay, uh, let me cue that up real quick. I didn't cue that up right. Okay, a decorated supervisory IRS agent has reported to the Justice Department top watchdog that federal prosecutors appointed by Joe Biden have engaged in preferential treatment and politics to block criminal tax charges against presidential son Hunter Biden providing evidence as a whistleblower that conflicts with Anthony, uh, I mean, Attorney General Merrick Garland, uh, recent testimony to Congress. So Merrick Garland lied and covered up. This is um, the whistleblower's attorney speaking. Okay. So that that was important to cue all that up. Let's see. My client wants to come forward to Congress. He's ready to be questioned about what he knows and what he experienced under the proper legal protections. Attorney Mark Lytle's client is a supervisory special agent at the IRS who's prepared to tell Congress the investigation he's been working on has been hampered by what he thinks is special treatment. Typical steps that a law enforcement investigator would take were compromised because of political considerations. Lytle wouldn't talk in specifics, declining to identify either his client or the target of the investigation his client helped conduct. Can you identify him? 
I can't at this stage, Jim. But CBS News has learned the investigation the whistleblower worked on is about Hunter Biden. What we're doing is is being completely cooperative. That was Biden two years ago, after the DOJ opened an investigation into his finances. The FBI collected what it believed was sufficient evidence to charge Biden with tax crimes. And last year, sent its findings to the U.S. attorney in Delaware. Since then, silence. Why can't your client talk to us directly at this point? There are laws that provide protection to whistleblowers. And he has to navigate that. Today, Lytle sent this letter to Congress, claiming his client could provide information that would contradict sworn testimony by a senior political appointee. I have promised to ensure that he's able to carry out uh, his investigation. CBS News has learned that was Attorney General Merrick Garland. And Merrick Garland saying that. Uh, lied under oath because yeah. they have proof now that Merrick Garland was interfering. Uh, we also have the story of um, Blinken, Sullivan, and Garland, the Attorney General, uh, and Tony Blinken, the St- State Department Secretary of State, and Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor. All three are covering up the Biden crime machine and are a part of it. Of course, Jake Sullivan was part of the Obama regime and uh, Merrick Garland was the one that Obama wanted to be Supreme Court Justice. Yes. So this is an Obama administration. He is what he said he wanted to be, which is the puppet master behind the scenes. Uh, he, he was on video and audio uh-huh. tape saying that, that he wanted to do that. He would like to be behind the scenes pulling all the strings. That's exactly the words he said. Remember, Blinken was running the Biden Center. He's also taking money from the Chinese. Corruptness is wildly in this Biden administration, also Obama-Clinton's. So breaking. Senior IRS agent blows whistle alleging Biden DOJ thwarting criminal prosecution of Hunter Biden. Whistleblower calls into question Garland testimony. All right. So that's that. And then we got this. We got this. Let's take a listen. Breaking. Secretary of State Tony Blinken was the managing director of the Penn Biden Center and helped advise American universities how to get multi-million dollar donations from China. Let's take a listen. Penn Biden Center, because there's a really crucial player in all of this, which is called West Exec Advisors. And it was founded by Antony Blinken, who is, of course, the secretary of state. But this really served kind of as a pipeline. Um, the office is actually just across the street from the White House. Um, and that kind of symbolizes what the purpose of this company was. It basically staffed the entire Biden regime from top to bottom, top people like Anthony Blinken, but even down really in, in every single agency. But why this is so particularly interesting and relevant now is because Anthony Blinken served as the managing director of the Penn Biden Center. Uh, you also had Steve Reschetti, who was also a very, very senior aide to Joe Biden in the White House, also served um, as managing director of this Penn Biden Center after Blinken. But Blinken's firm, West Exec Advisors, deleted web pages, which show you that there is indeed a cover up, actually showed that his client base included, and this is a direct quote, U.S. research universities. And do you know what exactly they were advising them on? Again, this is not conspiracy. This is a direct quote from a deleted web page. How they could help these universities, quote, remain a trusted partner for Department of Defense-sponsored research grants while expanding foreign research collaboration, accepting foreign donations, and welcoming foreign students in key STEM programs. And by the way, anytime they're using the word foreign there, 
99% uh, of the time they're referring to China. Anyone who knows the numbers in terms of Chinese students coming overseas, Chinese money, China outperforms every other country, whether it's donations, research, or students. Um, so this really shows you how evil it was. They were advising these universities how to still receive not just taxpayer-funded grants, but taxpayer-funded grants from the Pentagon to conduct research while simultaneously you know, opening their wallets to cash from the Chinese Communist Party. They've since deleted all of this activity. But again, just to, just to reiterate, Secretary of State Antony Blinken's firm used to court foreign donations for America's top U.S. for America's top universities. And he was also the managing director of the Penn Biden Center, which, as we explained in the last block, really is kind of a key player in this very, very shady yeah. multi ten million dollar deals of Chinese money flowing into. Oh. Penn. So get that West exec run yeah. by Blinken. Yeah. Right, is across the street from the West Wing. Yeah. Get it? I get All it. All right. And. Like Amy Gutman was the president at Penn, and of course Penn is one of the most corrupt universities on the planet. Yeah, and uh, they're a cesspool of corruption, and they uh, she's now the ambassador to Germany, and uh, and they're involved in all kinds of shady deals with uh, the oil business and and energy businesses over there. But the thing that's going on is that West Exec. Paid off and hired, hired and paid off for cooperation. Every single person on their staff, pretty much, yeah. top to bottom, got a cushy uh, government job to cover up. So there's no way that you're going to have cooperation. That's why you need a whistleblower yeah. because somebody's got to step up and not get murdered right. uh, in the process. So that's what's going on there. Um, Meanwhile, you have this statement from Joe Biden. Listen. listen. I was listed. I was, had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you're in office. But anyway, the point of it is this. An awful lot of people are hurting. It makes a big difference. Listed, I was... So he doesn't believe in making money while he's in office. <laughs> That's all he did. That's all he was about. So Miranda Devine uh, was on Tucker. She said this. Look, I think this might be the breakthrough story uh, because really the cover-up of Biden corruption is like Watergate, now bigger than the original story. Uh, it, it involves the FBI, the CIA. Uh, now you're seeing this um, quite honest, uh, upright um, completely nonpartisan career IRS criminal uh, investigator who has a lot of big scalps under his belt and uh, is just treating the Hunter Biden story like he did any other case, um, is furious. He's been stymied. He sees that there's been political interference and obstruction in the case. And uh, then I think what really set him off and made him go to the inspector general. Of she goes on and says what Merrick Garland said, and that's what that's what t tipped him off. I want to get to this clip real quick. Uh, this is Laura Ingram. Let's see. Breaking tonight, senior law enforcement officials telling NBC News that there is growing frustration inside the FBI as they finished the bulk of their work on the Hunter Biden case over a year ago. And reportedly, the IRS finished its part of the investigation more than a year ago as well. 
Now, remember, the Washington Post had previously reported that there was enough evidence discovered to charge Hunter Biden with tax crimes and a false statement related to a gun purchase. Now, this comes out on the heels of another bombshell report that could be the straw that broke Biden's back. A whistleblower special agent from the IRS has come forward to allege that Joe Biden was getting special treatment and special protection in the agency's investigation of his son, Hunter. The whistleblower's lawyer appeared on special report tonight. He's not a political person. He's not a social media person. He's not coming here with a political agenda. He has spotted and observed things that are done differently in in this particular matter, which I can't identify. Um, And he wants to talk about them, and he believes that they were influenced by politics. But that can't be, because Joe has sworn all along that there's no there there. Now, remember, these are the so-called defenders of democracy. Remember that? But in the end, of course, they're trashing our democratic systems and laying waste to our justice system, all for their own political ends. Now, it's gotten so bad that the legacy media that's always circled the wagons for the Biden family, well, they're actually covering this story. Here's CBS. An attorney for an IRS supervisor sent a letter to lawmakers today asking for whistleblower protection, saying his client has information that suggests the investigation is being improperly influenced by, quote, preferential treatment and politics. Hmm. Is the old mule so injured that even the vultures at CNN decided to swoop down for their little bit of flesh? Now it's clear that there's an IRS agent who is apparently involved in the case who wants to go to Congress and share what he believes are allegations of mishandling and politics at play here. Now, the White House was obviously rattled enough to release a hastily written statement, of course, dismissing the whistleblower's allegations. Now, with the perfunctory assurance, of course, that the Hunter Biden investigation will remain free from any political interference and that the DOJ is handling it independently. Well, maybe that's the issue, because late tonight, the New York Post reported that Attorney General Merrick Garland himself is the senior official cited in the whistleblower's letter. If true, that would contradict testimony that Garland himself delivered under oath last month. I promised to leave the matter of Hunter Biden in the hands of the U.S. attorney uh, for the District of Delaware. I have pledged not to interfere uh, with that investigation, and I uh, have carried through on my pledge. So does the nation's top lawyer need a lawyer? But there's something else they're sweating about tonight. Uh, One news that ex-CIA director Mike Morrell had become a problem for Biden. It turns out that he testified under oath that it was the Biden campaign itself that was behind that letter that he and 50 other former intel officials released that claimed, remember falsely, that information from Hunter Biden's laptop ah, was just Russian disinformation. Congressman Jordan, Jim Jordan, asked, well, what was the intent of the statement? And Morell answered, one intent was to you know, share our concern with the American people that the Russians were playing on this issue. And two, it was to help vice president, the vice president. Chairman Jordan then says, you wanted to help the vice president? Why? The answer? Because I wanted him to win the election. And then it got worse when Morrell said that current Secretary of State Antony Blinken was the one who spearheaded the letter. Now, remember, it's never just about Hunter. In the end, 
it's always about the big guy. Joining me now is House Judiciary Committee. And then Jim Jordan uh, gets an interview, but we don't have time to, to run that one. Um, I do Because I want to get to, uh, that's a lot that we just uh, dissected right there yeah. from those audio clips that we just played. Absolutely. That's a heck of a lot. But I want you to listen to what Elon Musk had to say in this short clip here. There will be fewer and fewer jobs that a robot cannot do better. Okay. What to do about mass this unemployment? AI. This is going to be a massive social yes. challenge. Um, and I think ultimately we will have to have some kind of universal basic income. I don't think we're going to have a choice. Universal basic Un- income. Universal basic income. I think it's going to be necessary. So it means that unemployed people will be paid across the globe. Yeah. Because there is no job. Machine, robot is taking over. Um, that, that's simply the, the... And I want to be clear that these, these are not... Uh, things that I think that I wish would happen. These are think, simply things that I think probably will happen. Um, and since, and if, they, if, if, if my assessment is correct and they probably will happen, then we need to say, what are we going to do about it? And we don't have a plan. That's the problem right yeah. there. See, see, we don't have the plan. And this is the one thing about the students. Let's take a listen to this real quick. You're at Columbia University. Are, are the professors letting you use it to write the synopsis Chat of a book B-G-B-T. or to work on an essay or paper? Yeah, so I think it depends on the professor. A lot of them see this as a tool. So a lot of like programming classes and even some like humanities classes, they, they see this as a, a research tool, something that can help you do better. That being said, if you go into like a library right now, you can see sort of everyone's using ChatGPT. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's people who are using it for bad that are just like, you know, using it to, to write that. And people are using it for good. But you see, everybody's using it now in school. And that's kind of interesting. And then what, what, what impact is this going to have on our um, elections? Also, you know, they have these AIs where Leonora and I were playing around with it. You could pick a model. You could write a script. And then the model comes out and stands there and literally reads the script. And you can almost not tell. You, you really can't tell. It's like a deep fake. It's a deep fake. You can't tell it's not a real person. Yeah. And that's amazing. It's, pre- it's pretty creepy. And, you know, we, we're already in a virtual world. Yeah. Now we're going to be in a world that is not only just virtual, but it's fake. Right. Now, I have one more thing to cover before we uh, head out of the Dodge, and that is the rabbit hole posted this. Analysis of insurance claims via Reuters found 56 genital surgeries uh, and, among patients, 776 mastectomies amongst patients ages 13 to 17 in addition at least 14,726 minors started hormone treatment okay oh my god and then there's this due to extreme amounts of lgbt propaganda we're going to get to this finish this really quick um uh, are we are now seeing a 15,000% rise in castration sterilization and mutilization clinics for children they have this map and in 2007, there was like two in the country. Now there are hundreds and hundreds in 2022. And that's, that's, a, that's a scary, scary thing. That somehow, again, the Supreme Court needs to get involved with this stuff. But that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, be sure to check out magapac.org, magapac.org. To find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again, of course, your donations help sustain the Scott Adams Show and Red State Talk Radio. 
And also use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow. Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow. Uh, be sure to check out ShenYun.com. And with that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Corvetta. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.